Hey guys, I've been telling you about how we are big fans of Tacova's boots. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style, and service are some of the best features of Tacova's. But now they also have a gift for our listeners. Tacovas will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And point your toes west. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. If you want to relive the feels on Grey's Anatomy, Hulu is here for you. But what are you waiting for? Let's go. Every episode of Grey's Anatomy is now streaming on Hulu. Seriously. Every. I'm your person. Every. Now we dance it out. Every. McDreamy. Every. McSteamy. Every Grey's ever. Now streaming on Hulu. And the new season streaming March 15th. Here's some stories about a show we made About a bunch of docs and nurses and a janitor who loved to hate I said here's a story I was just crying watching you, so this is a little oh, surreal. Don't do that. I'm not that ugly. We like that. We like that. Um, well, hey, everybody. We'll just dive in. This yeah, is. Where should I sit? We'll sit here. I'll go over there. I was going to have it be formal, but you know what? Let's just do it informally. Um, hello, listeners. Welcome to a special version of uh, Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Unfortunately, the only time we could do this is on Sunday, right before... Um, our premiere, and Donald is at a basketball tournament with his son. As we all know, his son is just incredible at basketball, and it's Donald's dream, and he wanted to be here so badly, but he's at a big tournament with with uh, Rocco. But we do have the fantabulous Joel, Monique, and DJ Daniel. Hi, guys. Happy to be here, of course. And um, and this is really special because if those of you who listen to the podcast know how important this whole journey of this movie has been for me. We're going to go deep and talk about uh, my journey of writing it, which a lot of you have followed because I have been writing it the entire time we've been doing this podcast. And uh, it's no secret that Florence and I were partners and we did the whole pandemic together and the whole experience of Nick together. And we made this beautiful piece of uh, art. Well, at least I think it's beautiful, and I hope you all like it. And um, so I just wanted to bring Florence on. Florence, hi. <laughs> I'm here instead of Donald. Yes. <laughs> I'm the replacement. Yes. Amazing. Your, your personalities are, uh, are, are both uh, vivacious. Loud. <laughs> yeah. Attention-seeking. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
Hi, you guys. How you doing? Hi. Very well. Doing good. Very well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to Daniel's point, there were lots of tears as we were trying to get, we were texting each other while we were watching. We're like, oh my gosh, Florence is so talented. Mm. I got to read the script. I have questions uh, about what <laughs> happened to one of my favorite scenes. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, don't 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 do any. We have to be careful not to do no, spoilers. No, 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 not, no spoilers. But of no course, spoilers. I want you guys to weigh in because um, you know. Joelle, uh, I have to thank you. Joelle's a very talented writer, and I, uh, I in, in the script stage, I said, "Hey, I'm getting my writing friends' input. Please read this and 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 give me any thoughts you have." Because I did that with a with a myriad of people just to kind of get notes and thoughts from other talented people. So, Joelle, it must have been cool for you to see it realized. It was cool because so like your scripts are very. Um, detailed and visual and so you got like a full like idea like a, a movie mind map if you will of what was happening and so i'm watching the film and i'm like yeah this is what i read this is great this is sort of how i imagined it that's different than how i imagined it but it's really cool um and then there was a moment where i was like wait did i miss a scene what happened? it was my one of my favorite scenes reading it in the script and then it didn't make it to the screen and i was like what happened <laughs> um, i'm sure there's a very valid reason but yeah wait, just, I, just give a hint what scene was it so i know which scene you're talking uh, about so i can, kind of, I can also cut it out yeah cut it you'll cut it i don't think it spoils wait. anything but let me know zach molly shannon makes an important phone call so molly shannon yeah. pays blows yeah mom in the film and she makes an important phone call to try to help her daughter and it's so moving and well written but i know sometimes even like the best written stuff or the best performed stuff you're like over oh, time or for the pacing of the film it just well, doesn't what happen- make it what happens is um you know we, we shot this movie in 26 days right and and so That's what happens so is the, the analogy i always use is it's like a scavenger hunt you go out and in 26 days for minimum 12 hours, you race and race and race and collect as much stuff as you can, right? And then you get back and you're like out of breath and you get back to the edit room and then you're like, (laughs) what did we get? And what often happens is once you do the assembly, it's two hours, three, sorry, two and a half, three hours long. And so that's when, you know, most filmmakers will tell you a movie is made in the edit room. That's when you start to go, okay, what of this giant three hour piece of clay, where is our two hour movie? Mm-hmm. And you take stuff out, and then you go, ah, put that back, and then you take big chunks out because I mean, a half hour to forty-five minutes is a lot of screen time. It's a lot, yeah. And but that's where you really, truly hone in on which story you're going to tell with your two hours. You know. Also, sometimes as an actor, when your stuff is cut, um, even if it's not seen or shown, and that's also really sad, it does, it does give you a, a piece of perspective to the character that no one else does and it gets you from A to B yeah. without the audience seeing. And actually sometimes it's just as much for you as it is for what it serves to the storyline. So actually totally. you come out at the end of the story, even if that scene is not seen, um, with a deeper understanding of who you're playing and, and where they were before that scene and after that scene. So it actually does serve a purpose, even if it's not in the movie. Yeah, and it's heartbreaking sometimes because... You know, I cut scenes, like you said, Joelle, I cut a scene that Joelle loved, and that scene is amazing. And maybe there'll be, maybe one day, I don't know if uh, in the streaming days they even do cut scenes. Do they? They probably do. Um, some but- some love channels those do, things. some streaming channels. Me too. Yeah, Disney Plus actually does a lot of it. Yeah, I'd always watch the, the, direct, the, the cut scenes or scenes that didn't make it, and they'd be the best bloopers on there. Well, what's nice is, like, when you love a movie and you and you love the characters and you're kind of like I want more. Mm. Obviously with a streaming series there'll be another season, but with a movie I guess you can go 
well, show me the cutscenes. Mm. I at least want to watch those, mm. you know? For sure. It gives you an entirely different perspective sometimes to the characters, sometimes to the director's or writer's visions. Yeah, I love cutscenes. Wait, before we go any further, though, you guys should, like, what, for people who don't know, if somehow you've been living under a rock and didn't see a trailer, what is this movie about? What's it called? It's a good person. Okay. So um, the it. reason we're doing this, for those of you who are, might be joining us for the first time, because you heard Florence Pugh was on our show. We, <laughs> Hi, I'm Florence. This, this is normally a rewatch uh, Scrubs podcast. But um, during lockdown, I wrote a movie for Florence Pugh called A Good Person. And Florence, uh, I always wrote it with her in mind. Um and I, when I gave it to Florence, she became a producer of the film and um, was in incredible. It was very incredibly collaborative. She was giving me notes that were very helpful. She was giving me script ideas. And her character is a uh, singer-songwriter, not as a career, but as a sort of a way of, of dealing with her emotions and her, almost like journaling, she writes music. And so I asked Florence if she would because she is a song. Well, do you want to say? Yeah, I'll say. I can already hear. Already I can it. already hear interrupting me. Yeah. So Florence will now take over. <laughs> well, that's not that's not who she is, Allison. Well, you tell me. You're the, you're Allison. You tell I'm me. I'm Allison. I'm going to say. So um, there's a beautiful script. I wasn't allowed to read it until it was completed. Um, Zach was writing it during the pandemic, and he'd go down to the office and would write for like four hours or five hours a day, and would come back up and would be very, very excited to share with me um, all the things that he had learned about these characters. And it was at the same time when he was starting the podcast, so he'd go down sometimes in the morning and then would come back in the afternoon and would say, I've written this amazing scene between you and Daniel. And then we'd discuss it and, and, and chew the fat and talk about um, why that's amazing, where that could go. And so I kind of was very much a part of the story from the beginning and understood these characters on a deeper level than if I'd just been given the script one day. And um, when I finally got the script, I um, Alison goes through uh, a load of amazing and awful interactions with these characters that she meets throughout this story, um, all because of an awful tragedy that happens at the very beginning of the movie. And... Um, she's in such a such a mental state that I've never even come close to or seen really before. Um, and I think for me, I just, I really had to try and imagine what it is that I would be feeling if I was in that position and if I had um, affected people's lives in the way that she did. And I guess just to figure out if I was on the right path, I wrote a song for me in my life. I've always... Um, I've always digested life or falling in love or going through heartbreaks and with with songwriting. And it's been like my diary form, I suppose. And so with this, I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write something and try and get in the headspace of Alison and showed it to Zach, played it to Zach, and Zach said, That's great, can it be in the movie? Which I had no intention of it actually being in the movie. I don't remember like yeah, that. Yeah, I do, because <laughs> I di I digested it. I was digesting the character like that. I remember asking you, is this is this how she is feeling? Well, but I, I feel as I always wanted her to be oh, a singer. She, yeah, she was always going to be like a piano player. Yeah. Well, yeah. anyway, however it occurred, um, Florence wrote these two incredible songs in the character, which is something just really unique that, uh, you know, doesn't happen very often, that your your lead actress can get in the headspace of the character and then write a piece of music that the character might write and then perform it in the movie. I thought that was really just special. Mm. It's a unique form of collaboration, I think, specifically in, like, 
cinema for uh yeah for a song from an actor to appear uh and it was really lovely and it's so wonderful to hear you sing Florence I wonder so you knew Zach was working on the script but you couldn't read it until it was done is am I right in assuming this is the first like script where a character was written with you in mind to play the character um I've had I've had people write scripts and have me in mind of the role when they've written it um which is very flattering and wonderful. And maybe they had me in mind to act in it. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a different thing. Zach wrote with the intention of having my voice and the essence of me coming through in a character. I think that was the difference there. Yeah. I really just, um, you know, I just think Florence is an incredible actress. And so I wanted to write something to her. And because I know her so well, as I was writing, and I've never done this, you know, the the the, the two other features I've written, I've directed four movies. The the third one, Going in Style, I didn't write. It was a studio heist comedy. But the two others I've written, uh, and wish I was here, I should note, I wrote with my incredibly talented brother Adam Braff. But those were, you know, written for me. They were they were things I was going through and dealing with, and I knew that I'd I'd be playing the character. So for the first time, I wrote something wanting to deal with things I was dealing with and battling the, the grief of losing my, my, my sister and my father in the last four years. And then of course, as, as while I was writing this, all of this happened with losing Nick uh, to COVID, our friend who was living on our property. So I, I wanted to write about all this stuff, not tell those specific stories, but write about the grief that I was battling and people I loved were battling. You know, looking at Amanda Klute's uh, Nick's widow, looking at my mom who would sit by my sister's bedside every day. I, 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 that was just what was what what bubbled up for me in the pandemic was wanting to write about standing back up after trauma and grief, but also with my own tone, try and find a way to find the humor in it because I didn't want it to be too maudlin. When you hear me talk about those subjects, you might be like, oh my God, this is so heavy. And don't, don't get me wrong. The, the movie is emotional, but also there's a lot of, <laughs> yeah. <this>. yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, you guys can attest to it that there's a lot of humor yeah. in it as well. Is, oh, of course. There is a lot of my humor God. in here as well. That's what you do so well is, is write lightness um, mm -hmm. when people are in such darkness. That's, that's why I think it, it's so easy to watch your movies that are about really depressing shit. <laughs> yeah yeah i think what i really enjoyed about it was the messiness involved with like healing and standing back up oh, i feel man. like a lot of times when we see it mapped on to films it's you know a rising arc and then you reach a peak and then you're better and that's totally fine um but in real life it's a lot more complex i think the most emotional scene for me is again without spoiling anything you go to a group like alice and the character goes to a group to get some help and figure things yeah. out and she's been encouraged to for the first time like speak her truth They're like hey you have to contribute if you're gonna be here and it's such a vulnerable place and Florence you obviously played that so well but then yeah. what's also happening underneath is all the things she doesn't know yet all the lies she's still telling to herself and it's such if you've ever been in a position of having to take a first big step it's just, it's huge. It's its really hard and it yeah. makes you feel like just, oh, it's so awkward and I'm uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And then there's also the absolute certainty that there'll be failure following that. And I think mm -hmm. all of that somehow is embodied in a single moment. And it was, 
Really good um, and beautiful. Thank you. I really, I really wanted that scene. I mean, she hasn't been honest for maybe about an hour. She hasn't really truly spoken. And she's very good at getting out of conversations and getting out of being, you know, put on the hot seat. And I think with that scene, it was really, really important. And I really wanted that scene to be like, she has to speak. She has to be truly honest and, and actually talk about what she thinks she is and, and what she knows she is. Otherwise, I think after a while, the audience would have been a bit like, oh my God, she's getting out of another opportunity <laughs> of talking about how, you know, how flawed she is. And I think... Yeah. That moment, you know, to film as well was hugely cathartic. It was a scene that I was really, really nervous to shoot, partly because we all know what those scenes look like when we watch movies. We know sure. that it is um, a sensitive scene. It's a sensitive topic. And also, just in all honesty, like, the reason why I am, I, I get scared about playing characters that I play is because I love the ugliness in humans and I love... Um, the rawness of the characters that I get to play. And that scene mm -hmm. specifically is something that like has to be done perfectly. Like we have to nail it and it has to be achieved because you don't know who's going to be watching this movie and you don't know who it's going to affect, who it's going to help, who it's going to hurt. Right. Um, and a scene like that, both Morgan, Morgan's share and my share really needs to be like delicately held and delicately directed and also we kind of have to know that you can't get scenes like that wrong it's so it's so uh, it's so well said and also i feel like I, someone once said to me the greatest scenes of all times in movies that you love whether it be brando or you know de niro in raging bull just insert your favorite scene there that was just like a regular tuesday mm. you know and the actor got up and went to their trailer and went to hair and makeup. And they're like, it's time to do that scene. Uh, you know, you, uh, you, you, I could have been a contender. I think that's my line. And, um, you know, and I feel that way with, with, with Florence and Morgan's performances in this movie because there's some scenes that you would just drop your jaw. At, you know, and I'm someone who loves actors. I lo this, I've dedicated my life to not just being an actor, but just loving great actors. I go to the theater a ton, as, as you listeners know. I love it. And so... Those scenes, I mean, there's several scenes in this movie where you're just watching some of the finest acting. And I, and, and I just I think, think, you know, as a director, you're so nervous. Like, okay, today's a scene that's super intense. Mm. Yeah. And, um, you know, is, is Morgan in the right headspace? Is Florence in the right headspace? How what was their morning like? You know, did, right. was the coffee shit and they're in a bad mood? <laughs> like, you, you just, you know, as a director, you're so nervous. You're, you know, as an actor... Even more nervous, I was, you know, of, of hard <laughs> scenes. But it's funny. I was in a movie. One of my first movies was a movie called Broken Hearts Club, and Greg Berlani, who's now become a, a, one of the biggest showrunners in town. But mm -hmm. he, it was his first directing thing, and he always say, like, "You have a big scene today. You ready for your big scene today?" And it was like, "You right, would do that right. to me." <laughs> <laughs> no, I would not on the day. Yes, you would. Oh God. <laughs> But anyway, my memory of it is, I'm sorry I did that to you because I remember, yes, yeah. I remember Greg being like, and I'd be like, Greg, please, you're building it up so much. And now I'm, now making now I'm scared. <laughs> but, um, but Florence, you, you have, you, you do deliver every single time. And it's just such a joy to, to watch it happen because, you know, for, you know, some actors stay, need to stay in character and there's no, there's no right way or wrong way to accomplish this very hard task of being vulnerable, on cue, go. Mm -hmm. Some actors, as we all know, um, need, to, need to stay in that for the day or stay in it for the length of the movie. And 
you know, both Florence and Natalie Portman are, are wonderful actors, says that I've had a chance to work with, who both can magically, I mean, I want you to speak to this because it's your process, but Florence also can do something that's such an incredible moment and then kind of take a breath and like, you know, turn around and talk to the dolly grip about like, you know, if, you know, how was his dinner last night and what he ate, you know? And how it's, do you, how I do you, want to know. <laughs> no, but how do you, I guess for me as someone who can't necessarily um, be that um, easy with it, how do you do that? I was actually talking about this in an interview yesterday. Someone, a woman um, asked me a similar question um, and I hadn't really put that much thought into it, but I think, um, I really love living in the adrenaline of a moment and a scene, and I really love that magic um, energy that happens between the actor and myself in front of a camera right then and there. And part of the thrill is that I get to live in it for two or three minutes or a minute and a half. And then it's, it's almost like wrestling, and then you go, okay, break, break. And then I kind of have to get out of it just almost so that I can jump in it in the same excited and thrilling and energizing way as the last time. Um, unless, of course, it's like a, a major moment where I, I need to go over something physically. I think I'm a very physical actor. Like I, I need to know how I'm going to react to something. So, for example, in the wrestling scene with Molly and I, like figuring out how I'm going to turn and ache or, or move, like that's really important to me. Um, and I'll definitely prep over that. But when it's when it's about catching that right moment, I love living in the adrenaline of that moment for that second for that scene, and then drop like and come back to it when I can do it again. Yeah. Um, it's a very it's a very very special uh, skill. I as an actor find that I can't really do that as well. The times <laughs> where I have had to do major emotional scenes uh, for in Garden State, for example. It ended up, I, I ended up um, making it about the single tear in the tub and she collects mm -hmm. it with the mm -hmm. cup, which ended up being great. But it, what I had first initially written it as was that he has a full emotional breakdown. Mm -hmm. And that happened in the wide master shot. I was so present. Natalie was so good. Mm -hmm. I, we had no crew in there except the two cameramen and a boom mic. And I, and I had this really emotional release. And then, it, and then I, then I, the director, moved the camera in tight to cover it, and I just couldn't oh find God, it I've again. Been that. It's so horrible. And and so I said to myself, as a young director, I said, you know, if that's not happening, mm. then that's not the scene, mm. because I have a very big pet peeve, um, and I'm going to hand it on to you, audience. Now you will see it, and it'll bother you too. <laughs> Actors who are crying with their voice, but mm. there's no mm. tears coming out of their eyes. Mm. Sure. I, Crocodile tears. I really have, like, and, you're, and it's a big scene, and you're like, oh, that, then they should have just pivoted. And mm -hmm. the character, if the actor isn't feeling it or it's not happening, then you need to pivot, and th that character's not crying. But as an actor, I've always loved that about you. And I mean, you told me that anecdote years before we worked together. And I've always loved that because usually in script, especially as, as a, a young actress, you'd always get this scene in, even in audition scenes, where like she'd be saying something and then the direction would be like, and then a tear falls down her face. And you're like, <laughs> I don't know people that actually cry openly. I don't. I always hide my face or I go in a bathroom. Like you don't see people usually just crying all the time. It doesn't happen. It just happens in movies. And I loved when you kind of release that pressure yeah. off it. It's like, if it doesn't happen, it's not supposed to happen because it's not right. You even told me to right. take it out of the script. Yeah, I did. 
which I thought was really cool. She said because there were there were moments in 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 my screenplay where it would say you know Allie's eyes well, and she goes, "Would you mind just taking all of that out because I need to feel it naturally? If it happens on the day, it'll happen on the day. Um, but I when I see it written, it makes me uncomfortable. Like it's a, and I and I totally yeah. I totally think that's it, wise. It, it feels like you then have to tick a a box with it. It's like you right. then. I think when when the when it, I mean obviously for example if there's like a a direction in a script where it's like gunshots go off everybody's terrified like of course that makes sense but yeah. no, I'm talking think, I'm talking no, specifically I, about emotion no yeah. I know and I'm saying but with with emotion it's like it's it's completely dependent on if a if the script gets you there b if mm-hmm. if it's making sense with you and the other actor and I just I've always loved that about you just taking the pressure off I think it's a very kind thing to do as a director well thank you. I was just going to ask, do you think it makes the writing stronger, too? Because you can cue like, oh, and then they cry. Okay, so now we know that the character is sad versus you had to construct the dialogue in such a way that it was emoting to both the actor performing and the audience. In all honesty, yeah, I think if someone says and then they cry, I think that's quite lazy. It's like, well, why are they just crying? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say that I think that's a really well said, Joelle, because I find as an actor, there are moments where I'm just reading the page and my eyes will well. Mm. And I'm like, wow, that's been written in such a way that I'm naturally going to feel that. Mm-hmm. But, but I just think, you know, and, and this, if you're a young filmmaker or an actor listening to this, my, my two cents after making a bunch of stuff is, you know, if you're, if, if, if you want, if, if you expect the actor to cry or have a moment, it, it has to come naturally. And then if it's not happening on the day, by all means, do not have the person make cry noises and have no tears in their eyes because <laughs> that to me is so false. Mm. And you will now, I'm sorry, I'm going to ruin a lot of movies mm. for you. You will see it all over the place now. <laughs> You'll be like, but why are their eyes not teary? <laughs> and it goes up here like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just slightly now, if you absolutely, if it is script dependent, that the person eyes are well. There's this thing. There's a cheat way where you can blow. Um, um, it's like a menthol thing mm-hmm. that, uh, mm-hmm. and it makes your eyes cry. But you and, have to shoot, and then you have to get. The, you have to say action, and then the tear comes out. Like, you don't have any time. It's not yeah, like, right. it's not like you can do a two minute scene and yeah. then it wells yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't happen. And then also nowadays, it's true. You'll see them now too. The 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 age of CGI tears has arrived. Oh my god, Digital they're tears horrible. Are weird. Oh my. They're I know, but I got to say strange. one thing about CGI. Tears that is that is that is good. And this no. they sh- no, there is one thing. That- <laughs> All no, you should not you should not use CGI tears uh, as totally fake. But there are moments when you are cutting a piece where someone is crying with continuity, and the most amazing take mm. is natural and real. And then you need to cut to the side angle for whatever reason, and there's no tears. You're fucked. Unless you have this new invention. So then it is fine well, to match. That's just movie making. No, no. I, I'm okay with a CGI tier if it is matching continuity for a actual emotion. That's my personal take. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. But I can tell you right now, there is, there, we had no budget for CGI tiers in this movie. <laughs> Good. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, read a book, show up for a friend. A lot of people spend their lives wishing they had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it your priority. 
Therapy personally for me has helped me a lot focus on my goals. And you've heard me talk on the podcast of the whole idea of whiteboarding and manifesting and, and really getting clear with myself what I want to accomplish in my life and where I want to set my sights. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RealFriends today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash RealFriends. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. If you want to relive the feels on Grey's Anatomy, Hulu is here for you. What are you waiting for? Let's go. Every episode of Grey's Anatomy is now streaming on Hulu. Seriously. Every. I'm your person. Every. Now we dance it out. Every. McDreamy. Every. McSteamy. Every Grey's ever. Now streaming on Hulu. And the new season streaming March 15th. Can we go back a little bit? I know you've rehashed um, what have I done? your career oh. before, but just for our audience who might not know, I just I just think your story is so incredible, and I know you've spoken about it before, but just for our audience who might not know it, will you talk about how you were discovered? You were you were in school, and they were going to make a movie um, uh, with Ma- Maisie Williams. So um, I was definitely at school. I was sixteen. Was I sixteen? 17 years old, and um, I was just finishing, I think, my my second-to-last year of school, and everybody around town was talking about this tape. Have you done this tape? Have you done this tape? And essentially, the uh, BBC were making a movie called The Falling, directed by Carol Morley, starring Maisie Williams, and they needed to fill a school's worth of girls. They needed to find... Um, faces that could be possibly from 1969, just like different, interesting, normal faces. You didn't need to be anything special other than maybe you fit the look of of a girl being at this school during this era. And they basically just needed to find as many girls as possible, some just to be um, essays, background, and some to be extras and some to be characters, but they were just trying to find new talent. They didn't want anybody that was recognizable. And honestly, it was like two months of everybody saying, I've done the tape. I heard it's first come, first serve. Like, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> first yada. come, first serve. <laughs> and every school from London to Oxford was talking about this tape, this tape. And it was, you just have to do a one minute tape and you have to say who you are, what your name is, what you're good at, what school you're at, where you are. And that's it. You had it in that tape. And if you didn't hear anything back, you didn't hear anything back. And my brother had been in the industry for a fair few years prior to this, and and I'd been watching his, you know, uh, entrance into the industry and just how hard it was and how cutthroat it was and how you do hundreds of tapes every two weeks and no one would ever get back to you, or they might do, and you have to be there at Friday at 9 a.m. to do this, you know, 
10-minute audition and then they also might not tell you again. Just like the brutal reality of what it is to be a young actor or just a new actor in the industry. And my mum had very much helped him out of figuring that out as well. And I remember when this tape was going around, I was like, absolutely not, I am not doing this tape. Like, I know, I know how hard it is because I can see how hard it is for my brother and there is no way in hell that anyone is going to be giving one of these random, one of us random girls a role in this movie. And I remember the deadline was on Saturday and I got back home from school. My mum was like, have you done the tape? I literally rolled my eyes and I was like, you're <laughs> kidding. You know about this tape as well? Like, no, I haven't done the tape. What do you mean? And she was like, what do you mean you haven't done the tape? I was like, well, mum, you know better than anyone. Like, why the hell am I doing this Leafa audition? I'm not going to get it. No one's going to get it. It's going to go to someone famous. Why are we doing this? This is ridiculous. And she was like, no, 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 I know you're not going to get it, but um, why don't we just give it a go? Because this is something that you want to do. And maybe we can just start practicing, you know, being on camera and talking to camera and just start figuring it out. Because at some point we're going to have to figure it out. And I was like begrudgingly going like, oh, fine, okay. And I had like greasy hair and a sweaty mustache and I was so not okay to do a tape. And I handed in this tape and I, I said it and I even made a mistake in it. I forgot how old I was. And my mum shouts from off camera going, how old? And I go, oh, I'm 17. Um, and then on Monday, I got an email uh, from Shaheen Bay Casting, who cast the movie. And she said that Car Carol Morley wanted to meet me in two weeks' time. Here are the sides. You get a meeting with the director. And I was like absolutely dumbfounded because this is not what I've been telling everybody at school. <laughs> Anyway, I went in and, and then after that, it was like six months of, of re-auditions and chemistry yeah. tests and all of this stuff. And it was mind-blowing to me. I'd never done any of this before. Um, and I'd never gone to an audition before. And when I went to my audition, I remember I was wearing this little gray crop top, um, like like a little like turtleneck gray crop top. And by the time I went into the room, my sweat patches were down below my boobs. And I was just like, <laughs> I was so terrified. And I'd been, I'd caught a train with my mum to London, which was really big. And I was like, just all the scary stuff that, you know, as a 17-year-old, you're not usually doing job auditions. But were you excited? I, mean I was so excited, but it was just, I just was like, I was so nervous that because of my, um, because of not knowing how to do it, that they were going to catch me out. Yeah. Um, and I did my first audition. And um, I remember literally like a day later, um, I, I got another email saying, Carol Morley would like to see you again. And then each time it was like, okay, wow get to get in the mode of this, learning all my lines. You know, it was just, it was nuts, absolutely nuts. And then I didn't find out until end of September. So I handed in the the tape in June, maybe May, and I didn't find out until September. So it was a whole summer of like wow. going in. And then I got the movie and I got the supporting role and it was play, I was playing opposite Maisie Williams and it was like, whoa, I'm in a movie and I'm missing two months of school and this is so cool. <laughs> and I lived in a house with all these beautiful uh, young actors. And who, Game of Thrones was happening, right? Game of Thrones was happening. Maisie Williams was and is like the, the toppest name that anyone knows of. And um, we were just living in a house together and it was just quite possibly one of the most amazing, eye-opening, oh, my God, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. Thank mm. God this has been my daydream since I was, like, six. Aww. And it was just so cool to think that the thing that I had been dreaming of doing was actually really fun, and I really loved it. And I remember being on set, same thing as now, asking, 
you know, what a prop master is and what they had for dinner and, and can I help you out and can I help clean things and asking, just constantly asking questions. What's a boom? What's a boom operator? Like all of these, all of these fascinating things. I would go to go back home and I'd be so excited and high from the day that I wouldn't be able to sleep. And I remember my alarm would go off at 3.30 or 4 and I'd leap out of bed just out of excitement. And then when we completed the movie, I ended up, um, my actually Shaheen Beg very, very kindly uh, knew that she wanted to get me an agent and she wanted to help me get an agent. And so she set up these meetings and I had an agent. And the whole plan usually was that I was going to go to drama school and then after that I'd probably get an agent or try and get an agent. But now I had this agent, so it was like, okay, well, all I need to do now is finish school, which I did not want to do. And my mum was like, babe, just finish <laughs> it. I don't care what you get, just finish it go to school, get it done, and then we can crack on with it. And so that's what happened. So um, in the last few months of, of school, I'd be going to do auditions on the weekends or going to do this or that. And then... Um, and you never did go to drama school. I never went to drama school. I had my agent and I got doing auditions. And then I obviously had to realize that you don't ever get the first job you audition for. And then I had to figure out yeah. how to actually do auditions. Yeah. You had to get a, you had, you had the ultimate case of, well, it's not luck because but we've, yeah, we've seen what's become of your career. But you did have a case of like getting the first thing you auditioned for. Oh, but for. I mean, when, when young actors ask me like, oh, how do you get into the industry? I go, do not listen to me at all. Like my, my I, think, I think every way into the industry is a fluke and every way in is like hard work no matter how which way comes because ultimately even if you get an easy way in it's what you do with when you have the microphone and it's what you do with when you have the stage and it's like if if you're if you're shit it's not going to continue and I think for me I had to be I was at the right place at the right time right age with a director that wanted to find someone that was new and had a new face mm. and I had a casting a team that just actually wanted to support me and get me an agent and Shaheen then cast me in Fighting With My Family she cast me in Lady Macbeth like all these movies that really made my career yeah but also I mean she discovered that you had a natural just I knew what to do when I had talent. the mic yeah yeah now how long <laughs> after was Lady Macbeth Lady Macbeth was two years later so I did um, the Falling when I was 17, finished school, turned 18, and then I had just a year of doing auditions and trying to figure out if I can do this, if I'm good at it. And then I did a pilot um, in the first month or two when I turned 19. That didn't go. And then pretty much like two months later, I started shooting Lady Macbeth, which okay. then... So for those of you who, I'm going to interrupt you, just say, for those of you who haven't seen Lady Macbeth, you really need to see this movie. It is really, truly, The Falling was Florence's first job, and um, but Lady Macbeth is what launched her onto everyone's radar, and it is an incredible film. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with this Shakespeare's Macbeth, although the character is uh, uh, the title is probably a, a, a nod to behaviors of the character. La Lady, M Lady Macbeth. Oh, it's a book. Matesque. Matesque, yes, yeah. it's a and it's, it's a play. It's, it's, a, it's a play. Yeah. Okay. It's so an opera and a play. Yeah. It's an opera and a play, and um, it was adapted to a very low budget independent film. I think it takes almost place. I think it takes place almost entirely in one house. One house and a few moors, and we shot it in like two and a bit weeks for a quarter of a million. Yeah, so it was. It cost a quarter of a million dollars to make, which, if you don't know movie budgeting, is minuscule. And um, two weeks time, and it's just the ultimate example. I'm not just saying this because Florence is here. It is just the ultimate example of if the writing is brilliant and the mm -hmm. acting is brilliant. You can have people on the edge of your seat and have a movie take place in one house. Mm. And um, every single person who loves actors and acting 
who saw that movie said, who the hell is this person? Because it was incredible, incredible Thank performance. You. That's very kind of you. Um, and you were nominated for a BAFTA, I believe, or did you win a BAFTA? I, I won a BIFA and I was nominated for a BAFTA. Yeah. At how old? Well, I did the movie when I was 19. So there you go. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. Thank you. I highly, highly recommend that film to everyone. And my scene partner is Naomi Aki. Hey. Yeah, the Hello wonderful there. Naomi Aki and Cosmo Jarvis, um, who are doing wonderful work. And every time I see them at events, it's like seeing like your sibling from when you were <laughs> younger and before you got adopted. It was like, <laughs> it's truly like, oh my God, there you are from, my, from the past. Um, and Naomi is doing incredible work and she's so unbelievably talented and beautiful. And it's been so wonderful watching her um, rise after playing Whitney. Um, did you see it? Um, no, I didn't see the film, but I, I know that she's an incredible actress because she's, she's incredible in the movie. And, um, and I've, I've watched, uh, I think, so, some other things with her. Um, so I do, um, and then, of course, uh, Midsommar. Uh, so many people love that movie. Yeah. If you're weird, then you love it. I think non-weird <laughs> non people love it, too. Yeah, but some people come up to me and they're like, oh, my God, Midsommar is my favorite movie ever it's I watch it I watch it time. all the time and I'm like you're really weird <laughs> um, I accept it I cheer every time in the finale you do and I, and I, yeah and every time I watch it with a guy they're like what are you doing I'm like it's just so beauty chose yourself and it's so lovely I love oh. this <laughs> this movie has spawned more fan art than any other film I've ever seen <laughs> you know he used to collect it he yeah. used to collect fa the fan art and, and put them on a shelf. It was very cute. <laughs> well, I there's so much fan art for Midsommar that yeah. I would, if Florence would look at some of it, but I would go deep dive because I just thought it was, I mean, there's so much talent, you know, there's sculptures mm -hmm. yeah. of her, there's, Actually, I actually he would get things made like little. Well, I know I didn't. Oh. I didn't commission them. I would oh. like find them and be like, "How could Florence not own this? She needs." <laughs> and I would DM the artist and be like, "Are you selling this? Because um, I, I know Florence Pugh and she should own it." And, she's, and the person would be like, "Florence is gonna own this. Take <laughs> like, it." And I no no and I'd be like, "I am not taking it. Your art is beautiful. I'm, yeah. I, you you name the price and I and I always." obviously paid and then paid them probably more than they were asking. But there were a few things that were just... He got me earrings, Danny earrings. Well, oh, there was, a, earrings. There was yeah. a pin. There were pins. I got the pin and I, mean, I got the little sculpture. There's a sculpture. You, you could got, go on Etsy got, and just go down a yeah. Midsommar art the, wormhole. the amazing posters from all around the world. Didn't you get me the Japanese movie poster? Yes, there's a, ja poster? there's a Japanese... I don't, I don't know if it was their official poster or if it was yeah. a, a, a special commission... But um, it was gorgeous. You can mm. Google image it if you're curious. And I and I oh, and I, I hunted that down and bought that for you. Um, I just think that's so cool. I geek out like Florence, like with the with the with the um, Black Widow toys. She's not nearly as interested as I am. Like I am. I, I look at it. I'm like, oh, that's little me. That's cute. No, I remember pulling out the Lego figurine. Now, first of all, Legos were my favorite thing as a child, and I still yeah. love them as an adult. Obviously, um, Donald and I. That's another thing Donald and I share in common is our love of Legos. But when the Black Widow, Black, when the Black Widow Lego set out set came out, I bought it and I was running to Florence like, "You're a fucking Lego figure," <laughs> and she's like, "That's so cool, that's so cool." I'm like, "You're not excited enough." <laughs> <laughs> but I got to see you excited, which was just as good. Oh my gosh! I, I listen on the life goals list. Uh, you know, I'm honored to be a Funko Pop, but I really would love to be a Lego figure. Hear that, Lego? Are yeah. you hearing it? I don't know why Lego has not made the uh, the Freck from uh, Obi-Wan set yet. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. If you want to relive the feels on Grey's Anatomy, Hulu is here for you. But what are you waiting for? Let's go. Every episode of Grey's Anatomy is now streaming on Hulu. Seriously. Every. I'm your person. Every. Now we dance it out. Every. McDreamy. Every. Every Grace ever now streaming on Hulu. And the new season streaming March 15th. Daylight savings time is starting up again for most states. The goal to give everyone more daylight from March through November. By setting clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash realfriends. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash real friends. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash real friends. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. But um, so talk a little bit about Black Widow, because as you know, um, uh, Joelle and Donald Donald. in particular are Marvel mega fans. Well, what do you want to know? Yeah, we have the script for Thunderbirds. Do you want us to read it? It's not Thunderbirds. What's it called? (laughs) It's not Thunderbirds. What's it called? Thunderbolts. Oh, I'm sorry. Come on. Joelle, would you like us to perform the Thunderbolts screenplay for you right now? Just as long as it's not Thunderbirds. Yes, please. Oh, my gosh. Joelle, I'm giving you a moment to ask any of your Marvel questions on behalf of you and Donald. (sighs) I, I she, kept so she obviously many can't say much, but <laughs> yes, yes, okay. Do you want to know um, who's in Thunderbolts? Are we allowed to say? I don't even know who's in Thunderbolts. Uh, I, I know just from reading the press releases. <laughs> I find out online. I'm like, okay, all right, that's how secret it well, is. Well, <laughs> this isn't a, a secret because I'll tell you stuff that has been on the interwebs okay. that Harrison Ford is in it. Uh, yes, you told yeah. me that. Actually. Yes, my oh, friend Harrison Ford. <laughs> Um, I believe, what is that amazing actress from uh, The Bear? Um, yes, she's in it. Oh, oh my Io God, Adebri? I'm so excited. Yes. What's oh her name? Io Adebri. She's incredible. incredible. She's so funny. She's so Fabulous. I did squeal when I read that online. I read that on the interweb. She's in it. I'm going to be her best friend, even if even if it, I, I don't know how I'm going to make that happen. But. I think Please that you, make I think TikToks, Florence, because we need to see the drinking adventures of you and I yeah. over yeah. here. Oh. She, um, man, I love the bear, and she's just fantastic in it. Um, I think um, Sebastian Stan's in it. Sebastian Stan, and um, I believe Wyatt Russell is in it. Yes, is that a spoil? I mean, that's I, it. I, I think, think that's on the so. interwebs. That's on the interwebs. Is Stephen Yun in this? 
Do you? I think okay. so. And I bet you Julie Louise Dreyfus is probably oh, yeah. in it. I don't. I guys, this is tricky stuff. For oh me yeah, to talk we don't want to get we don't we don't want to <laughs> no, get Miss right. Flo in trouble. But I can talk about the one that I have already done <laughs> and the series that I was already done. Yeah. So, um, what was that like? I mean, just for you know, a lot of our audience does love Marvel. And, yeah. Um, so tell us just. You know, I know you've spoken about it a lot, but, but you know, what's it like to step into a movie that gargantuan? I mean, the movie, I remember watching that movie and being like, I just can't fathom the scale of mm. this thing. When you guys are, when you went, that, that sequence, for example, of the skydiving with mm. Scarlet, and, mm. and I mean, how does, how the fuck did you, was that even done? I don't know. I mean, I do know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, saying yes to a project like that is all for the right reasons terrifying because... For me, it's a world that means so much to so many and so many people know my character better than I'll ever know it. Um, and I, Elena had never been played before. Um, it's also, you know, she's associated with Black Widow, with Scarlett's character, who um, also everybody has a, such a, a, a sensitive and, and tough time discussing her character because of how, how it all ended and everybody's very sad about that. And... And so, yeah, saying getting involved with this film was like, oh my god! Again, again, the same thing of like, I've got to get this really, really right because I don't want to offend people, and I don't want people to be upset, and I don't want people to think that I sh it should have been played by someone else. Like that, to me, was the biggest fear. But just the nature of what the film was was discussing and dissecting and tackling, and um, everything to do with its storyline, female subjugation, uh, trafficking. Like, it was just, I, I couldn't believe that Marvel were making a movie like that and um, being very openly, we were openly discussing all of this in the script amongst our characters. And Scarlett obviously was very much involved in the movie and producer and actor in it. And then we had Kate Shortland, who was just a fantastic director. It just truly felt like one of those projects that wasn't just doing a superhero movie. It was like, we mm. are... We are discussing a lot and we are challenging a lot. And it was terrifying stepping into it, but I'm so, so glad that I did. Also, just the family that I got from it. Family yeah. of fans, family of all the people at MCU. Did Scarlett share anything with you? I mean, obviously, I mean, something that, you, that you're that you willing to share, but did, but did she, she knew that you were going to be stepping into these enormous shoes, mm. obviously not taking over her character, but no. entering the Marvel Universe in a giant way. Did she... Did she did she guide you in any way? The best thing that I learned from her, and it was never ever, I mean, I'm sure she that there were specific things that she told me, but I think the coolest thing about watching a woman that has been in the industry ever since she was a child and also in the MCU um for a decade was just like her her consistency of of needing to have fun and needing to enjoy the whole process. Because otherwise I think you could possibly get too bogged down with it and it become too serious and it become too daunting. But I think for me it was just really, I when I stepped into the role I was so stressed and I was so eager to be perfect and eager to train really, really hard and to learn how to do the in the middle of the air flip role with my dagger out and like I really wanted to do and try and do all of my stunts and respect the craft and respect the stunties and sure. give it my best shot. And I just remember her from the very beginning being like, You've got to enjoy it. You've you've got to a let the professionals do the things that they are professional for. So like, no, you're not going to be jumping out of a building, and b just enjoy the process. Don't 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 let it eat you. Don't be 
don't be nervous about about the world that you're stepping into and know that these these fans will love you like that that's that's why it's so wonderful i remember we went to comic con and i was so terrified because we'd be walking around with masks on or going around with cars and just the crowds of people that were there um and we'd only just kind of released the information that we were shooting and that it was me and i remember being so nervous that people weren't going to like it or like me or want me to be the role and I remember Scarlett and I would just hold hands behind the stage before we went out and I was just holding her hand and we were watching our trailer go. And it was nice to see that she was nervous too. That was like <laughs> quite cool. Um, and then going out and just this sea of people, like I couldn't see the back wall of, of the warehouse. I could not You're see the back wall. talking Hall 8 at yeah. 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 I could yeah, not see the back yeah. wall. And... Um, it was just unbelievable the instant adoration that all these people had for our movie that hadn't even come out yet and we only showed them a small trailer it was like truly i mean it's because of that love and that support that makes doing those massive movies i suppose possible but shooting it was nuts we shot in so many different countries <laughs> and by the way you you loved um, <clears throat> um being with the stunt i folks, loved it and they loved you and you really trained hard I did. And, and even though your your stunt double did incredible work oh for you God. you did Michaela, yeah you, unbelievable. you did do a couple things you did run she did run down that wall i in that did opening run down sequence. the wall yeah but I, really I did I also love doing it. It's so much fun and hanging out with stunties is the coolest because like... The English call them stunties. That's funny. That's yeah. amazing, first of all. <laughs> we that. need to upgrade our language here in the States. <laughs> stunties <real>. is <laughs> much better. And you know, Florence, I can tell you that I think like you and Jonathan Majors feel like the future of Marvel. I think these are the two characters that people have really globbed onto the most as we moved from like phase four to phase five and we're seeing it like grow and everything. I know there's this like... Especially because I think villains are sort of the the new wave for Marvel. Like we've had all the iconic heroes and their very shiny vestments and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's fun to get some of it. Like when you did Hawkeye, like watching you with Haley was so much fun. I was like, Aww. this is the level of like cool badass girls who feel very grounded. You know, I think there's something about specifically those two characters. Those two characters specifically feel like, oh, hey, yes, we're like women and it's cool that we're here, but that has almost nothing to do with our story. It's we're not here because we're women. We're not here to try to like prove anything. We're just badasses independently of anything else. And that's been really fun to watch. I hope we get more of the two of you soon. Oh, well, it, that was so fun to to do. And I had such a small stint of shooting on that show. I mean, they were going on for months and I just popped in and did some some Yelena stuff. Here's a very funny Florence story. Um, so we she shot Hawkeye um, and that sequence at the Rockefeller Center ice rink oh, yeah, um, in Atlanta on a soundstage where they right, had recreated right. the giant thing. And she shot that whole sequence on a stage in Atlanta. They made the whole thing to scale. Well, oh. not not all of 30 Rock, but... The, no, but the, the rink, maybe. The <laughs> rink. <laughs> they built 30 Rockefeller Center? Yeah. Saying, the rink know. and the yeah, walls maybe. would get the blue walls, you know, all around. So it, it was, was enormous. But anyway, so, but she had never been to the real ice rink at 30 Rock. And, and uh, when we wrapped, was it when we wrapped our, uh, a good person? Yeah. We wrapped a good person. And we uh, came to New York. And Florence was like, I really want to go to the ice rink because I've been to it on the stage. What, am I telling no, it wrong? you're telling it wrong. All right, go ahead. You, <laughs> you, we, were, we were here with our friends, Jess and Carrie, and before we'd all go back to our corners of the world, 
we were like, okay, well, let's have a few Christmassy days. Let's go to a Christmas market. Let's go and have hot chocolates. And Zach was like, I know what we can do. And Zach and Carrie booked us slots to go ice skating. I didn't. Carrie did. Carrie did. But it was like an exciting thing that we all did. And we were walking up and I'd kind of forgotten about it. And as we were walking, it was so Christmassy and we were all holding hands and it was just like so sweet. And then as we came up to the ice skating rink, I was like, hmm, I've I been recognize here. this. I've been here before. We put on our ice skates and I go, guys, this is where I shot my action scene with Jeremy Renner. And everything, like everything was to scale. I was like, yes, yeah, so this is where the star came down on the eyes and I kicked him so in the face. Funny. And even the fountain, I was like, I have a picture of me by the fountain. Yeah. She was like looking around the real 30 Rock. I, she's like, I've been here. <laughs> like, it's so funny. But in Atlanta. <laughs> That's just a real experience. I know. I know. Uh, movie making. <laughs> Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. If you want to relive the feels on Grey's Anatomy, Hulu is here for you. But what are you waiting for? Let's go. Every episode of Grey's Anatomy is now streaming on Hulu. Seriously. Every. I'm your person. Every. Now we dance it out. Every. McDreamy. Every. McSteamy. Every Grey's ever. Now streaming on Hulu. And the new season streaming March 15th. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Well, with our last few minutes, um, let's just circle back to our movie, yeah. A Good Person, um, which is coming out this Friday in theaters. Um, we hope, I hope, Florence and I hope that you go and check it out in movie theaters. Oh, you'll love it. I really think you will. And my, it will hopefully affect you in all the ways that you want it to. Um, I do think my, my just sales pitch for seeing it in the theater is there is something really magical, I believe, in sharing uh, what this movie is about in a room full of people. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, we've been traveling the country. I've been, I just been on a, on a major tour and I'm watching it with audiences and there's just something magical about when it's pin drop silent, of course, in the emotional times when you hear people sniffling, then when there's humor and everyone has a, a laugh release and um, you know, people often say 
there's not enough movies uh, for for grownups out there. Well, I, I really tried to make one, and I uh, that's my plea for you to please check it out in theaters. And Joelle, did you have any more questions as a smart entertainment journalist you wanted to ask us? I do. Uh, and again, Florence, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is your first producing credit, right? It is. Okay. It so is. you've worked with a ton of women directors in your career. You've talked throughout this interview about your love and passion of just being on set and learning all of the little jobs. What did you love about producing? What are you excited to do again? And have you considered directing at all? Uh, that is such a good question. Wow. Joelle, you nailed it. They're all so ready. Thank you. It's funny. I have been dipping my toe in the producing world. Um, I think it's something that I naturally end up doing anyway on a, on a film. Like I, I want to be involved in in things, even when obviously I've seen, I've only got like the finished script and I can only now kind of help when we're shooting. But I think naturally over the years, I've always wanted to tweak things that aren't right or are right or could be better or um, have a say in, in who do we think should be cast for this. Like it's something that I very much, not because I want control, but because I want to be a part of making it perfect. Like I really do want every line to be fantastic for everyone. And I think I have a good handle on 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 dialogue. I think I'm I'm very I love when it makes sense and everything clicks. And I think with this movie, when um, we were working on it together, we had been discussing some character arcs or something, and, and we were just chatting it, going going through it. And I was like, Zach, I think I'm a producer on this movie. And he was like, um, and I was like, no, I think I am. I'm a producer on this movie. And then he was like, yeah, of course, you can be a producer on the movie. And and so, but also just chatting about like casting. I love, I love um figuring out who's gonna be right for what and who deserves to have a role like that. And I think like one thing that was amazing was sorry to interrupt you, but she okay. goes, she goes, um, you know, Florence is friends with Alex Wolf, and we had this amazing scene for uh, someone to come in and do. And she goes, do you think Alex would do it? And I go, oh, my God, Alex Wolf would be perfect for that scene. And obviously, so many fans would love to see you and Alex Wolf go toe-to-toe in a scene. And she's like, well, let me let me ask him. And uh, she asked him, and Alex was like, oh, my God, I, I like Zach's work a lot. I love you. Like, I'm in. And she hangs up with him. She's like, I'm the best producer. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting I was getting rolls in. And every time I would do something, I'd put the phone down and be like, Zach, I'm a producer. <laughs> yes. But she I was. She was. Not only was she really helpful in casting, but a lot of script stuff. I mean, talk about the the cutting of the hair conversation. Mm. Cutting of the hair. Yeah, I wanted Such that. I wanted scene. to do that. I just wanted, I, I think... I think when you're that low, there are so many levels of trying to fix yourself or trying to change something because you're kind of doing anything then look at what it is that you are and what it is that you actually need to change. And and I just wanted her to be like doing everything and anything possible than actually figure out um, what's wrong with her and what she actually right. thinks of herself. And I think for me also chopping the hair, now watching it and seeing what people have to say about it, um, I think getting rid of of the vanity is a, an amazing aspect to Alison that it's just gone. Mm. Like her her female long hair, her womanly long hair is gone, and she butchered it, and she doesn't care. And it's like it's it's at a new level of low. And I think also for an audience to watch someone in that um, state of distress for a whole movie, the visual, um, it's, I suppose, it being so 
pleasing to watch the visual of her vanity being destroyed by herself and yeah. that you're not getting distracted by anything. You're not getting distracted by beauty or if it's aesthetically pleasing or if her hair is in a bun or a ponytail or plait or whatever. It's like you just get to see this person on rock bottom with a raw face and raw hair um, basically just falling. And, and, it's, and, that, and then when she came to me with that, I was like, that is so brilliant and I love it. Here's the thing. Um, we're shooting in 26 days and we shoot completely out of order. As you, as you, we tell you, you folks who aren't in the industry, everything's shot out of order. And I said, Florence, that's brilliant, but logistically really impossible. <laughs> and she took a beat and she's like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> so then I go, so then I, I go to the team and I'm like, you know, the first AD who's in charge of the schedule and, and everyone, my amazing cinematographer, Mauro Fiori and, you know, with a producer, we're all huddled up, and I'm like, Florence has this great idea. Don't don't freak out, but I kind of like it, but I know it's going to be hard, but let's... So they huddle for like a couple days, and they're like, Zach, 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 here's all the reasons why that's not going to work. And so I go back to Florence, and I'm like, Florence, I, I we tried, but it's just, it's, it's brilliant, but it's just not going to work on our budget or our scale. She goes, you'll figure it out. And... um and so it was her. And they figured it out. No, but so it was here her. We are. Well, there's a great, it made me think of, um, there's like that awesome uh, Industrial Light and Magic uh, yes. documentary. Say, it's very George Lucas of you. Yes. I, I really recommend that to anyone who hasn't seen it. But so, uh, so. in that documentary, uh, they talk about how George, when he would come to them and he would say, I want you to do some insane thing. And the animators would be like, that's not possible. And he would just go, think about it. Right? Is that what he said? Think on it or yeah, think yeah, about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he would go, just think about it. And they'd, be, and they'd come back and go, George, we, we, we did huddle. This is impossible. And he goes, all right, just, just keep thinking about it. And, and anyway, the point is I want to thank Florence because it did push us to figure it out. And I didn't want to use uh, wigs because I hate wigs. Wigs are, wigs are pretty bad it always. the moment. The whole point is she chops her hair and then it's gone. We wanted, her to, mm-hmm. we wanted her to really chop her hair off on camera. And we also didn't want to use wigs because wigs, even with a high budget, are, are not great. Wigs on a low yeah. budget are really bad. Yeah. And, um, and so when you see her cutting her hair off, it's really Florence cutting her hair off. Um, also, just so you know, the whole week up to that, everybody was shit scared. Zach was really worried. He was like, are you sure? Like, how short are we going? <laughs> Let's do a practice run. Let's do a practice run. And everybody would be checking in with me and being like, are you okay? Are you nervous about it? I'd be like, no, I'm so excited. And then people were starting to get a bit confused because I was like completely thrilled about it. And even on the day, Zach was like, okay, so I just want to go over like, where are we going? Well, the hairstylist, the hairstylist came in and I was like, all right, just show her where she should cut. And he was like, she knows, she knows. I don't know, but just let me see. Because you only, you only have, you know, take one. And uh, we actually had to cut a port um, in the wall of this house because we, every single um, moment of this movie is shot on locations. There's no sets because we just didn't have the money for it. And so we took the medicine cabinet off of the wall and there was no way to get the shot we wanted. So we went to the homeowner and we were like, can we cut a hole in this wall? We'll obviously patch it and make it look brand new. But we, in order to get the shot we need, we need to cut what's called a camera port in this wall. And they were like, okay, as long as you promise to restore it. And we were like, oh my God, we can't believe they said yes. So, <laughs> um, so in order to get those shots of, of Florence um, looking in the mirror like, like she does several times in the movie, just a little for those of you uh, 
cine, cine, filmmaking geeks out there. We had to cut a hole in the wall. But um, it turned out perfectly, and it was such a good choice. And that was just a, just a, one of many examples of Florence. And I'm a producer. Saying, I'm a producer. <laughs> and you did a great job. Yeah. I'd love to he keep producing. It. I love it. Yeah, and talk about filming. I definitely have told her that she should be a director one day uh, and fold that into her I'd resume. I'd love to be a director. Um, I think I need to learn a bit more. I need to... Mm. Soak it up. It's such a it's such a tricky position to have and to lead and to be a leader on a film set. You really have to be like you have to know your shit. And if you don't, um, a lot of people can get you know twisted up by that. And I think for me, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to go in and not know and then and and affect an actor badly. Like you just, it's something that you really should go in knowing that you can do. So I think I'm just going to do a bit more learning. Well, if you ever want to take the the Zach Braff camera geek, camera toys workshop, I will give you a one-on-one. Thank you. Because <laughs> I'm obsessed with it all. Um, I, I hope you direct because not only do you have a great um, vision and intelligence and clear knowledge of acting, but you're a great leader. And um, – and I think you'd be a fantastic filmmaker. Thank you. So thank you guys for tuning in um, to this special conversation with Florence Pugh. Our movie, A Good Person, comes out this Friday. It comes out everywhere in um, United States, uh, Canada, and the United Kingdom uh, on uh, on Friday the 24th. Really? So um, I know I've gotten a lot of people on social media saying, when in my country, when in my country. I promise you it's calling, coming to all. Um, Australia, I know, is end of April. But um, I can all I can say specifically now is this weekend in the United Kingdom and the United States, Whoa. Um, it, it's on you know, many screens. It's not one of those ones that's on like one screen. It's on lots of screens. So please go check it out. And thank you, Joelle and Daniel, for this Thanks, awesome guys. conversation. That was such a lovely yeah. chat. Of course. It was my pleasure. Thank you guys so much. It was lovely seeing you guys again. Truly. It was good to see you too. I used to oh see you during the pandemic randomly every now and then. Well, remember Hopefully when you came on and, and made your – Remember yeah. when she came on and made her martini that's basically just cold vodka? That's what a martini <laughs> is. It's cold vodka. It was amazing. <laughs> Inspiring for us all in the deepest couple times. All right. Would you like to count us out? Donald's not here. Would you like to count you count down from five? Just really slowly? No, you just like in tempo, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, so count up from five. I'm glad to know you're such a fan of the podcast. I am, but no, you said you, count down from five. You did yeah, like down. five, six. Yeah. Five, six, seven, okay. eight. Five, six, Here's seven, some eight. Stories about a show we made. About a bunch of docs and nurses and a janitor who loved to hate. I said he's a story. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, it's simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. You can learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey, guys, I've been telling you about how we are big fans of Tacova's boots. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style. 
and service are some of the best features of Tacovas, but now they also have a gift for our listeners. Tacovas will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And point your toes west. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 